Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Weird. Okay, alright, alright. Working, working. I pushed our intro and it played the audible. Here we go! Broadcasting live from the PCR studio. The Emperor has been expecting you. We're Geekishik and Pandemonium Reign Supreme. Your host will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Geekishik. Oh, yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your keyboard, and roll your 20-sided because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio at uh, half power. At, yeah, we're like we're we're uh, we're over the counter strength. So uh, this is Ruben. It's a guy named Joe. And that's all you get. That's all you get right now. Uh, Drew, lucky you get Drew will be showing up a little bit later, and uh, Lagoon is missing in action. He is, yeah, he's MIA. Um, uh, we don't know where he is. Hopefully, he is well and hasn't been swallowed by an ogre or a giant or eaten by a dragon. He might have. He tempts fate a lot, so he does. So uh, who knows? Who knows? So hopefully, we'll we'll be able to hear from him as well, and we'll find out if he is well. Yes. Uh, with that said, we have a great interview uh, tonight with uh, Shalee MacArthur coming on the show, talking about her new book, The Unhappening of Genesis Lee, uh, the book. And let's, let's put it this way. She has the token seal of approval from Dan Wells. The token yes. seal of approval. So with that how did, said, how did you get a token seal of approval? Like, you make it sound so, like, paltry. Like, it's just like, eh, okay. No, no, no. This, this, is, this, is, this is a big thing. I mean... We, we all know Dan Wells. Yeah. Good friend. Uh, New York Times best-selling author. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. He gave her complete and total. Okay. You made it sound. It just made it, it sound. Uh, on, like, you pretty much. No, no, no. No, no. This is the still deal. They're getting in. I can't. It's really <laughs> hard to get. <laughs> you can get nominated all yeah, the time, you but you just can't get one. Yeah. Yeah. Very exclusive. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll be talking with uh, with Shalee. Yes. That that is how that is how she pronounces it. Shalee. Yep. Shalee. Okay. So yeah. Okay. See, I've been saying it all day in my head. I'm saying Shalee. So. Yeah, and, and several other people I talked to have okay. said that. And I, so I'm like, because we had a small little conversation before the show started, and I was like, you know, I've heard it different ways. How is it proper to pronounce? Mm-hmm. So, because there's nothing worse than saying it wrong. Yeah. You know, Comic Con, um, mm-hmm. Vic Mignogna. Yeah. You look at Mignogna. Yeah. And it does not sound look yes. the way it sounds. Correct. I very much. You know, and 
and it's really, I normally do a good job and don't stumble on names. Mm-hmm. I failed utterly on, you know, go watch the video. Yeah. Totally at the end. Yeah, and he's you can like, find it on, uh, on our YouTube channel. Yeah, and he's like, see, you know, the beginning, he's like, he got it right, see, you know, he's been working on that, you know, yeah. you don't know that. Mm-hmm. And so at the very end, I fail yet again, <laughs> and he's like, just call me Vic, because we're friends now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I could not, I, I don't know, it's, I just, I looked at it, and it's like, no, yeah. it looks like Minogia. Yeah. Or something. Mignogna. Yeah. It does not look like Mignana. Mignana. And so, one of the few times I've failed uh, saying a name, and uh, I don't like doing that, uh, needless to say. So, um, with that, you know, we got some Gamer 4 Gmail. That's right. We, uh, we Yeah, we didn't. We got a response from uh, what we had last time. Yeah, and then we got some that we And then some new ones. Yeah. Uh, so we'll cover that. We'll do a little bit of geek news and we'll see where uh, where things go from here. Yeah. And hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have work in the back end. Yes. And then in a timely fashion. Yeah, he will be showing up a little bit later. We'll we'll talk to him and uh, we'll have some fun. Good. Uh, hopefully you you're not bored out of your mind. It it is that time of year where things are starting to slow down. Today has that been a miserable. Right. Yeah, today has been a miserable gray day for me. Oh God! It's cold. I know. It snowed, and yeah. Yeah, it's like maybe over like a two-day span, it's only the temperature up here in Salt Lake dropped to drop down to like, like high, high sixties. Well, it's supposed to be to like forty-two degrees by Saturday. Ugh afternoon and then it's supposed to snow Sunday really bad. So let it be said, internet, guy named Joe hates Yeah. Hey, but if you're in Saint George, it's gonna be sixty nine degrees down oh, there. See, yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna be all right down there. Yeah. You know, the, down yeah, down south of like Arizona and stuff, they're probably in like the mid eighties, mid high eighties. Yeah, something like that. You know, nice cool nice cool nights. I think the I think this is when the uh, orange trees. The orange and the lemon trees start to fall. Uh, to bear their fruit. Lord, uh, yeah. you know, those places. I envy them. I, this one time of the year. This oh, this one I, time of the year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, come about now. And we're starting to start March. I don't know what that feeling is. Yeah, because then it starts heating up. And yeah. It's when you can start frying eggs on the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no more of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. So, um, so I don't know. I'm going to throw out a couple of geek items. Just yeah, we're going to get started here soon. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Sam Raimi and Stars have announced they're going to be doing an Evil Dead TV series starring Bruce Campbell. Yeah, uh, Stars picked it up, and I'm actually kind of excited about this. But, you know, and maybe that's why, you know, at Comic Con we saw a slimmer Bruce Campbell than we've seen on Burn Up. Yeah, he may have been probably cleaning up. But uh, it's, it's exciting. You know, I love Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. It, everything he touches is amazing. You know, Briscoe County Jr., Talicus, and Hercules. We can keep going. You know, even My Name is Bruce. That was a great show. Playing himself. But... I've always loved Evil Dead and Army of Darkness, and to see them pick this up as a TV series with his character and not the new female character, yeah, I think it's a really good idea because I don't know if a movie would be as good. 
Because I know they've been rumored to make a sequel. Yeah, I'm just sort of wondering though, is that, is there are there any details as to how long they're how many seasons they're going for or it's going to be so the title is Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh it's going to be a ten episode straight to series order and okay. it will premiere in two thousand fifteen. Okay. So like right around the corner. Okay. Um so it's gonna be Raimi, Robert Taper, and Bruce Campbell, which were all originally part of the Evil Dead series. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, so this is kind of the thing they're, they're saying: Bruce Campbell will be reprising his role as Ash, the stock boy, aging Lothario and chainsaw-handed monster hunter who has spent the last <laughs> 30 years avoiding responsibility, maturity, and the terrors of the Evil Dead. Yeah, that sounds about right. When a plague threatens to destroy all of mankind, Ash is finally forced to face his demons, personal and literal. Destiny, it turns out, has no plans to release the unlikely hero from its evil grip. That's that <laughs> is the elevator pitch. Okay. Which just sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds about I mean, pretty it, par for. Yeah. I mean, not to not to say that it's bad, but I mean that's par for about what the, the insanity of the Sam Raimi version of the set. Yeah. Uh. So. I just think it's really cool because you know, yet they're not playing up the they're they're playing excuse me they they are playing on the fact that it has been yeah and they're gonna say you know we're keeping character it's been thirty years and he's done getting unboxing a cold that's on and that and that's Take it that way to make it its own thing. To be honest, yeah. See, and but that's sort of. The, but that you're not. But it definitely if, failed the original series. Yeah, because if you're because if you're trying to appeal to the people who original who liked the original of whatever it is, you know, like let's let's take a show. Let's like make up uh, like like bosom buds, for instance. You know, if they were gonna do like a movie reboot of the television bosom buddy starring Tom Hanks and Peter Solari, you're don't try to make it something that it wasn't. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, otherwise you're not going to in the people that are almost guaranteed to be there anyway. Yeah. And just focus on being whatever it is it was, still you know, good. Whatever it was. You know, it gets, make it 
as good or better. I'm about to say gooder. <laughs> as good or better. Um, of the same sort of thing. Like, so like having a, having 21 Jump Street be, you know, the, the sort of almost a draw player version of itself. Yeah, that, I mean that's what it ended up being. Yeah. But but having it be you know like that having it be like a teen drama, you know, of, of what it was back in what yeah. something around there. Um, that I think would have probably been maybe not better than what it was, but uh, I think they would have netted a little more quickly. Make the happy, you know. Yes. Yeah. So uh, there you go. I, you know, <laughs> I, I've just decided is I really hate the changes they've done this time. Again? Well, okay, so everything's, more. Yeah, everything's been fine, and now suddenly I cannot add a contact to the call. It's awesome. Um, so with that Billy is said, trying to, uh, well, trying to reach us. I've been trying, while well, we've been talking, mm-hmm. um, I have been trying to get her added, and it's not working. They like they've completely, completely taken that ability out. It's like the weirdest thing. Like, why would you get rid of? I mean, that's that's the whole functionality of the of using Skype for our show. Yeah, and it's like, oh no, we're getting rid of it. Yeah, Skype in general. I mean, it sort of defeats the purpose of any kind of phone call. Yeah, phone um, conferencing. Yeah. So, and, and when I highlight over the plus button, it says add participants. I click on there and I don't have that option. And it doesn't let you? No. It doesn't let you add anybody or it just doesn't let you add? It doesn't let me add a single person. So I'm going to have to. Uh, oh, gosh. So. Yay. Oh, we got to love it. Oh, and here's where Drew. Yay. He is there. <laughs> and obviously, Shaylee is listening because she just immediately texted no. <laughs> me. Do you want me to call in? That's uh, fine. Yes. Please. Yeah, so um, I'm going to. Hey, how are you? Good. Welcome. We are now not at half staff. You're. Uh, we're, we are like um, not no because we're, we're three what, quarter. What? We're at three quarters power. Have, yeah. have I aroused you? To, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. Good thing no one can hear you right no. now. Uh, no, we're we're. What, I don't know what's one step above over the counter strength. Um. Prescription? Prescription strength, yeah, there we go. We're prescription strength now. <laughs> we're not quite a narcotic. Yep. We're a prescription strength. That means, well, your strength you're about ready to fall right over. All right. <laughs> One step away from from, from uh, generic brand. Yeah, well, see, we're not quite addicting yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're a hydrocodone, not oxycodone. <laughs> Okay, so we're still, um, so uh, hang on to the line. We're going to be having, uh, going to be having uh, Shelly join us. Uh, her new book, if you want to call in and have any questions regarding it, you can be just at 626-226-1475. You can also reach our email, info at Dungeon Call Radio, and we're on that social media thing called Twitter. You can find us at PCR underscore show. And then if you don't, and if you didn't quite catch the show this time around, that's totally okay. You can find our, uh, I told you, you can find our archives at blogtalkradio.com or just go directly to gentlecollegecreator.com. Or find them on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else. All right, uh, Shalee is calling in, so we're going to pick up the phone. Do you have headphones? Is that what you're looking for? 
All right. We're just going to answer the phone without Drew because he's not quite ready. Yeah, he's packing. He's unpacking. Hello. Hello. Well, sorry about the the little quirk. This is the weirdest thing. We even tested it before I connected to the studio. Ugh. Well, welcome. I know. <laughs> welcome to the Thank show. Thank you. Hopefully it's not too insane and we're not crazy and life is wonderful because your book is now out. It's on the shelves. People can pick it up. It is. People can pick and it up they, in certain and places. And if they haven't already, they must. They must run out and go do so right now. Well, wait till the show okay. is over and well, then like, go. I can back that command. Okay. Okay. <laughs> she can back it. <laughs> so... You know, uh, Native Utah, first book. Yes, you know, yes. How long of a process was it for you to get from, I'm going to write a book, to it getting on the show? Um, like, like five years. Five years. <laughs> five years. I, okay. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just after my, uh, son, was my born, son was born, I, I just decided, okay, decided, I'm finally okay. going to try and get a book published. And okay. so I took classes and went to writing groups and wrote several other books and then went nowhere. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, and then, so, and then I started on this one, and here it is today. So, so five years. All right. So not super long, but... A good chunk of time, mm-hmm. and, and you wrote several yeah. other stories yeah. that you thought were great but didn't really pan out. Oh yeah, I, oh, yeah. I queried okay. one of the other ones and it didn't go anywhere. Okay. So, what is so special and amazing about the unhappening of Genesis Lee that just is now? You're you're a published author. You can now say that. Besides the title. I don't know what. <laughs> you're still not on. What? Try now. What? Oh, we're, oh, hey, there we go. Hey, oh, there's Drew. <laughs> um, besides the title, the title yes. is. Yes. I think I think we've lost her. Oh no. Because no, of I, multiple I'm questions. still here. I'm still here. Okay. No, I was, I was just saying, what's awesome with the book besides the title? Because the title is. Yeah. So so what it. Kind of give us the background or a little short pitch of what the the book is or the story. Okay. Um, well, it's about a girl who has been genetically modified uh, so that her brain actually doesn't store her memories anymore. Uh, that was not on purpose, but um, she can she can only store memories in external objects external objects through touch. Um, and her memories start getting stolen, so she has to try and track down the person who's stealing her memories while her memories are being stolen. Huh. Okay. So then, uh, how wow. um, how how did you come about then the the idea of um, I, uh, I guess uh, external objects as opposed to um, I guess some other form of memory storage? I don't know, like an extra brain or something. How, how did you come up to that? Um, it was actually my husband's idea. He likes to take credit for it, and he definitely should. Um, we were hanging out at my mom's house, and my mom is super attached to, like, all sorts of weird objects that have meaning to her. And um, and she was getting all, you know, sappy about this baby brush that had been my baby brush when I was a baby. And, and um, we were kind of, like, teasing her about it. 
and then later my husband said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we could actually store our memories of an object inside that object? And I was like, yes, it would be very cool. I'm going to go write a book about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you started telling a story about your mom and my crap. That's me. <laughs> How many boxes of stuff I have? Yes. I have this wooden yeah. train I built. It's like great. It doesn't do anything but sit in a box, but I still keep it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of the things I love most about my mom, so I have no complaints about it. <laughs> it gives a very interesting perspective on, like, family heirlooms and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, it does. But then, you know, then there's, you know, the reality, like you're saying in this story, that that object gets stolen. How do you get that memory back? You know, and maybe it's a really precious memory to you, you know, like the birth of your mm-hmm. child, child. And then it's gone. You can't remember. What was that like? You know, what was that? Yeah. That would, yeah. that would be devastating. Wow. Yeah, there's there's a lot of complications in there because the emotional memory is still retained. Um, but the... Um, the event memory, the semantic memory is gone. And so they they have some uh, some mental health issues that come along with memories being stolen. Yeah, I, I would imagine. So, I mean, how do you convey um, what an emotion is without the the event or the experience that generated that emotion? You're almost depriving half of the memory. Yeah, that, that was really tough. <laughs> Um, I, I think that's one of the things that took me the longest to try and get right was, you know, trying to portray an emotion that someone couldn't remember. And um, I don't know, like it, it caused a lot of internal conflict. Like that, I basically just went the route of character doesn't know what to do with this. And, you know, when you come face-to-face with someone that you have an emotional reaction to, but you don't know who that person is, and that gets really complicated. Oh, wow. So I can't say much more because spoilers. Yeah. Well, no, just that. It's like, you know, what happens if you're walking down the street, you see someone, and you have this, like, really, you know, kind of lamenting loss for that person. It's an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. But you have no clue who this person is (laughs) and why you feel this way. That would drive me nuts. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like that when you walk into a room or and you see someone, and it's like, who is that person? I know that person, but you can't remember, and it drives you nuts the entire meeting. I've done that through several yeah. meetings at work, and it's just like, and then you leave, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's who it is. And you're like, crap, <laughs> I didn't get to talk to that person because I was so focused on that one thing. So, so, so is there like a, a hierarchy of? Uh, value of objects that, that she stores her memories in, um, like, you know, a half, half drink can of Monster, you know, gets, <laughs> just, just kind of gets like, oh, this is what I had for lunch today type of memory, or what? Um, well, basically, all of her memories are stored, um, like, everything is stored that's, um, they have really, really good recall, uh, which is beneficial to their world, but they also, um, they skip things like that in the recall. Um, their their memory recall is a little different um, than basic humans. And, um, and the way that they store them, they can store them in different types of materials for different um, effects. And so, like, if they want to make sure they 
retain all of the emotional memory of it, then they store it in wooden beads. Or if they want to really sharpen all the details of it, then they'll store it in, like, um, a metal bead. Um, but the metal bead then wipes away some of the emotional content. So so depending on where they store their memories, they have access to different types of things in the memory. That's really cool. So then, I mean, what sort of uh, purpose then does, was the lead, does your lead character then have to having her her memory modified in this way, her, or her I guess her whole genetic structure modified in this way? But what, what purpose? Is Sorry. There? Sorry, I can't hear you very well. What was that? Uh oh. Oh, I think my, my oh, I think it's Mike went out. I think my cord jumped out. Using the red one again. I'm is not, it, no, I'm is not it a lot of background noise, or is it just? Um, cut then, out. Yeah, I can hear some background noise in there too. Okay. Okay, I'll try that. Let me see. I'm sorry about that. While you're working on that, I'll see if I can filter out some so, of the background noise. So, I'm curious. I mean, what what purpose does um, does that does having your 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 body genetically modified in this manner do? I mean, is this part of like a job or something? Um, it it was basically a, a drug treatment. Um, they were trying to treat people with PTSD. Um, oh genetic modification of memories um, is kind of the backstory behind it. And it sort of backfired on them. And um, they kind of evolved through a few generations to be able to store memories the way they do now. Okay, I see. Okay, so, it's, so, this, is a, so this isn't even a commonplace thing to do. You know, for yeah, th- this is... Yeah, there's basically a small group um, of people that all kind of went through these drug trials and then came together and formed a town. Um, but that's a very small percentage of the general population that, that have the capability. Okay. So, so with the caution late in research that you did, is, I mean, is this stuff going on with uh, PTSD, um, you know, the people that are, that are kind of dealing with that? Is that something you found in the newspaper clipping or that you were researching online or is this just like just a completely, you know, original idea that you have? Um, I'm trying to remember where that came from. I know I was looking into a lot of stuff about Alzheimer's because my grandmother had Alzheimer's at the time, and that was uh, something that was affecting me a lot. And um, so I was doing a lot of research um, and was, you know, just as various pieces of research information filtered into my brain. I guess that's what I came up with uh, for the okay, back there. I like there. I think it's a fantastic idea. Well, it's, it's, it's really interesting just because, I mean, I'm just thinking of multiple ways this could cause problems. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. With, with memories being stored in objects, because, I mean, how many times... Let's just face it. I can't tell you the number of times I've lost, just misplaced my key. Well, that's you know, exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Like, you know, what happens if you misplace something? Uh, that's Christmas really important. Christmas '94. <laughs> they, they were lost with my keys about six years ago. No, it, so so you have a specific materials and specific, like you said, you had the metal beads or the wood beads and that sort of stuff. Um, so it, it's not it's not the commonplace everyday items that we're. Yeah, it's not like a drill, you know. It's not like a music box or something like that. But you know, just imagine how easy it would be to lose these or someone steal them, and then you're like you're going mad because of these emotional feelings you're feeling on certain things, and you're like you can't place what's going on. That's maddening. Wow. That yeah. stuff scares. Me. 
even, yeah. even just in, you know, when it's like normal deja vu yeah. or like I can't play this thing, that freaks me out anyway. So I can't imagine if it was that I had my actual memory tied to something that I misplaced and now can't remember. Now, that, that terrifies me. Now I'm going to ask which question. Now, would this be like, could they store an entire memory of a person in one of these beats? Yeah, they, I mean, this is all they have to store anything in. Um, oh, wow. So that's where all so, their memories are. Yeah, this is where all of their memories are. Their brains literally are not capable of storing memory anymore. Um, they have and it, it, makes, it makes them really vulnerable um, yeah. as well. And, I mean, they can they can store memories in pretty much anything they can touch, um, like certain materials. And so it actually makes their whole society really, really um, polite and standoffish because, like, if they touch each other even, they can see each other's memories and... Um, you know, any anything that they're wearing that has a memory in it, if someone else touches them, they get a glimpse of that. And uh, so they, they've got a really complicated culture that's really based around this major fear of how vulnerable their memories are. I'm just thinking of a whole bunch of wicked, you know, just, yeah. you know, the, the devil side of things. You don't need to kidnap someone's mom. You just steal the bee. And it's like, you know, if you don't, you know, if you don't tell me what you need, I'm destroying <laughs> this, and you're never going to remember a single moment of your life with your mom. That's the evil DM side. Mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> I know. But if that comes wow. up in a campaign, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Kirsten, is um, how do you um, what sort of um, I guess spot points without. Without spoiling anything, of course. I mean, what sort of plot points can we expect to see with um, with how um, with, with how this whole society is working? I mean, even if just a small fraction of of the whole society, that small percentage. How, how do we how do we establish, I guess, good guys and bad guys in all this? Um, that's actually one of the biggest problems in the novel because. Um, you know, you have the mementi, the people who can store their memories externally, and then you have the rest of the people in the town who are just normal human beings. And there's a ton of tension between them because no one knows who to blame and um, no one knows who to trust. And so it becomes a huge conflict of blame. And there are a lot of, um, there, there come to be riots and things like that between you know, on different sides where the different sides of the city are basically attacking each other because they're afraid of each other. And um, so, you know, throughout this whole thing, the main character, Jenna, um, she meets a boy who's not Mementi, and she's trying to decide if she can trust him or not when he says, you know, you know me, and she doesn't remember him. And so throughout the whole book, you know, she's kind of, working with the enemy in some ways as the whole society around them is fighting with each other and no one really knows exactly who is doing what and um, so yeah I I guess that's you know a big part of the book is just Jenna and the boy Talon trying to determine what the truth is when the truth can be stolen from anyone so then um what what sort of things then can we expect to see? I, I presume that this will this is only the first in in a, in a line of stories involving involving Jenna and uh, any of her companions. Can, can we expect to see 
other um, other momentum joining, I guess, in that into the fold with her? Um, well, as far as the book goes, it's actually a standalone novel. Okay. Um, so it's we all just, just kind of contained just, in one. Yeah, we just wait but, to be a um, trilogy. Yeah, <laughs> that, it's typical. It's sci-fi. It's usually a series, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, but, yeah, there's, you know, Jenna, her her best friend's memory is stolen, and she's trying to figure out, you know, do I try to bring my friend into this when she's scared, and especially because she's scared of the very people that Jenna's working with. Um, and then she's trying to decide, you know, do I trust my sister or do I trust my parents? Who do I bring into this? And um, she, there are a few people that... You know, she kind of tries to reach out to, and some people she doesn't reach out to who find out anyway that causes some some conflict there. Um, it, it's a little bit of a, uh, a sharks and jets kind of thing. You know, it, it's the, there's a lot of strong opposition between the two sides, and so that's where a lot of the conflict comes from. Ah, I see. So then what, uh, what sorts of things, then, when you're speaking, when you bring up conflict? Like what sort of things inspired, I guess, the the action? I mean, I mean, it, I mean, I can certainly see that there's parallels, intentional or not, um, to I guess recent events in the news. I mean, was there something else? Because when you brought up the sharks and jets, I, you know, I immediately started imagining them dancing in the street. So uh, yeah. pardon me if I you know, like, please excuse me if I if I'm drawing that that one incorrectly. But um, is there something that inspired the action? Um, uh, for your novel? Something that inspired the action? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't I don't want to give too much away. A little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> but um, I guess really I was trying to figure out, you know, if someone is feeling memories, um, you know, Jenna is not the first person who's had her memories stolen. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what would be something that someone would be stealing memories for. You know, what is someone trying to hide? And so there's a whole plot thread through the whole thing about, you know, they're not just trying to find out who's doing this. They're trying to find out, you know, why are they doing this? And they're kind of unraveling this whole conspiracy that um, is actually a big threat to Jenna's people. Because I wanted, I guess that was that was kind of the inspiration. I wanted something that was like, it's going to hit her people right in the heart if she doesn't fix it, so that it's more than just, I need my memories back. I need my memories back because if I don't get them back, then it's going to seriously hurt everyone that I love. I see. So drawing and and so creating a more uh, personal relationship, not just with the memories, uh, but with Jenna as a whole, and then how she relates to the rest of the the people. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what is next? If this is a standalone, then, then you know, what? Where are your manuscripts at right now? Can you give us a little insight as to? I'm sorry. I can't hear you again. I'm sorry. You got to scoot back. I got, I got this thing like in my mouth. No, you, you need to go scoot back. You're too loud. I'm too loud. You're too loud. That close. Wow. Okay. Can, can you hear me now? Okay. So, um. That's weird. Um, so I was just curious, what's next? If, if, if this is a standalone, um, then I assume you've got some other manuscripts in the works. So, so uh, can you give us any insight into that? I do. 
Yes, I've got one um, that I've been working on that's, uh, it's basically uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde meets the born identity. Um, oh. It's a, yeah, it's it's been fun to write. It's it's kind of a dual perspective story from one girl with a split personality and half of her is a CIA secret agent and half of her is secretly trying to escape and bring down the CIA project that she's on and that's been fun to work with. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> when does this come out? Because I already want that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no date on that one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So then can, can you help maybe uh, give us a little insight then on what it was, um, uh, I guess, what it, what it's like for you to, um, when you were writing the the unhappening of Genesis Lee, and then how you're continuing to write now, I and mean, what what's it like uh, the typical writing workday? The typical writing workday. Uh, well, I have two kids, so there's really not anything typical about any workday. <laughs> <laughs> but um, usually, it's um, I work during nap time, which is you know about two hours long in the middle of the day. <laughs> so I've got to you know, install my older kid in front of the TV while I write. And and, um, and because I'm on, you know, such a tight schedule, I really try to just focus on, like, writing is my thing for that two hours. I don't, I tr- well, I try not to go on the Internet and Twitter and Facebook and everything. And, um, and then at nighttime, if I've got enough energy and extra time, then I sit down and just plug away again for a few more hours as much as I possibly can. So, And I'm lucky because my husband is incredibly supportive. He was actually kind of the one who got me back into writing because he knew that I loved it and missed it. And he's the one who's like, you can totally do this. You're totally going to get a book published. So he's always very much like, you need to get writing time in tonight. Go right ahead. That's great. So, so now I have a question. So what reward is he getting because you have a book published? And he, he he was that person that got you back into writing. Or is um, he not well, that way where he's like, you know, you remember that one time that I told you to start writing again? Now I want an Xbox One. You know, something like that. <laughs> well, he is, the book is dedicated to him. Um, All right. Which is, I guess, one of the biggest, you know, most concrete rewards there are. Yeah. But um, he also gets, um, you know, Extra World of Warcraft time and things like that. Oh, so. there it is. There it is. Yep. So, so I, I, I can just picture. You know, honey, I, I can't go on this raid. You want to go write some more tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually recently got me into WoW too. So most of the time lately, it's like I'm gonna go do this dungeon. Do you really have to write, or do you want to come do it with me? <laughs> and that's the end of her writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't go down there will that be no hole. more books now. You can find me on WoW because I won't be anywhere else. You, you will be the best role player in WoW, though, right? You'll have these big grandiose stories to tell people when they say hi or, like, break dance sex scenes. Yeah. That's awesome. So now the book's available. Uh, I know it's available at Barnes and Noble. I'm assuming it's available at Amazon. Um, yep. yep. Where else? It's on I pretty find... much any major bookstore retailer website. Nice. Very nice. Now is it in ebook format as well? 
Yeah, it's in hardback, it's in ebook, and it's also going to be um, an audiobook from Audible. Wow. Nice. You're getting the full treatment. You, yeah. You're getting everything. I know, it's great. So are you. You're also making it easy for us to pay our bills today. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and we talk about Amazon and yeah, Audible. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Needless to say of that, we got to take a break just a yes, second before do. the Amazon drops. So one second, we'll play that now, and we'll be right back. All this right. next half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at DungeonCollegeRadio.com, clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely... A selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com. There it is. There we go. <laughs> so go. Uh, All right. Have, have the unhappenings of Genesis. There. <laughs> see, look at that. And then, shall we get the bonus? And we get a bonus. Hey. And you get an awesome book. <laughs> with awesome title. Yes. About people stealing money. <laughs> I'm telling you, it freaks me out. Oh yeah. It. I'm kind of. Uh, I got goosebumps. Yeah, goosebumps. <laughs> Your arms are all like crossed. Memory loss terrified. And, and, and Drew used to be a bouncer. Yeah. So he's a big guy. And so he's like literally like kind of almost looking like he's shivering. Yeah. If I could get my brony on my shoulder right now, like I, I need a little comfort right now. <laughs> yeah, I have wow. to admit, this that is actually totally one of my biggest out. fears. <laughs> so, so I'm kind of interested then um, in how you kind of amass your writing group. I know there's, there's a huge writing presence here in, in Utah, especially for sci-fi and fantasy authors. Um, and I think everyone at the table here is always interested in kind of that path of writing. So can you just talk about, you know, how, how you were able to wrangle other people in and get them committed to the process? And also just talk maybe briefly about what your rules for your writing group are, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I, I actually met my writing group through Twitter, um, I had been taking Brandon Sanderson's class at BYU, and, um, you know, he's really hardcore about writing groups and everything. So I was just, I joined Twitter basically to find other writers on there, and um, one of the critique group members that became, like, one of my best friends found me on there, and she was like, oh, we're looking for another person in our writing group. And so I sent in a sample so they could see if I was, like, a fit for the group, and Everybody said, sure, why not? And I showed up, and they actually, uh, two of the members of the group, two guys, are twins. And when they told me that the first time, I thought they, it was like a hazing ritual because I didn't think they looked <laughs> like twins at all. <laughs> so for like two weeks, I totally thought they were lying to me and that they were not related. But um, <laughs> they were. They're twins. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we were t- we we meet like once a week and we we have changed formats so for a long time we met once a week and critiqued first chapters for everyone not first chapters but a chapter for everyone and we kind of evolved to um just kind of getting together for fun and then emailing each other manuscripts for a full manuscript critique whenever we needed it um which is a little more flexible but our yeah. biggest rule for the group is not to be prescriptive. So if there's, you know, instead of saying, you know, oh, this thing is wrong, this is, you need to do this instead. It's like, well, this thing, it, you know, this didn't feel 
I didn't have enough tension here. This is how I felt about this thing and why I felt it wasn't working. And then leave it open to the actual writer to decide how they're going to fix that. And most of the time we'd ask for, you know, thoughts anyway, like, well, what do you think I could do to to make this better? But we would try really hard not to, like, tell each other how to write our stories. <laughs> yeah, which is an extremely hard thing to do. Yes. Yeah, it it is. So I'm then I, I'm presuming though that this is uh, that your book is uh, directed at the YA audience by the sound of it. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, your your new book is directed at the YA audience, correct? Yes, it is. It is. So then I'm I'm curious. Then how did you come to the decision to write for the YA audience as opposed to either either uh, I guess. Uh, as opposed to like younger to like younger children or more adult audience. Um, you know, it's funny because when I first joined my creative or my critique group, um, I didn't think I wrote young adult. I thought I was writing adult novels, and they were reading it and they're like, "Oh, this is a really great YA story." And I'm like, "It's not YA." And they're like, "It's not." <laughs> I'm like, "No, it's totally not YA." And then I'm like, "Wait." It's totally YA. Pretty much everything I've ever written is for young adults. And um, I think it was just sort of, that's where all my story ideas came from. Um, I had a really, you know, nobody ever says that they enjoy their teenage years, but I loved my teenage years. I had so many amazing experiences. And I think because of that, I just, like, I look back on that part of my life, I'm like, that's where... I was so certain that I was going to, like, take the world by storm and just, you know, change the world the way I thought it needed to go. And and I was sure that everything was going to be amazing and that I was going to change the world. And I kind of liked that about teenagers. And I think that's a lot of why I like writing to them because I think we lose that. And I love that teenagers still have it because then they really can change the world and oh my gosh I sound so sappy right now <laughs> no you're fine no, don't but, but I just I love I love the optimism and and the determination of teenagers and I think that's why I like writing to them well, I mean, okay so you took Brandon Sanderson's class so you, you've got points there yep. and then Dan Wells actually said something about your book and yeah. I, I'm going to read this you know he, he wrote equal parts Dark and delightful, MacArthur's stunning debut takes an awesome uh, science fiction premise and follows it deep into the maze of the human mind. I li- I loved it so much I was jealous. I know. Yeah. Man, that guy knows. I still freak out every time I hear it. You know, Dan <laughs> is, is amazing. You know, no one has gotten read Hollow City. He I mean, he's taking that that whole story. That story creeped me out. But it was a great yeah. book, but him to say I was jealous, I mean, that's a huge, huge nod to you, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I and, I, I practically fainted um, <laughs> when he said that, because he's actually one of my favorite authors in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that was crazy. I would have been crying like a baby <laughs> if I would have received that. You were laying on the ground. It's also, it's, it's <laughs> to know, too, that in our... 
um, now notoriously lost a two-hour interview with Dan Wells that we put on for Halloween. That yeah, he talked about yeah, it. Yeah, he, he brought it up. We, we, uh, Rev mentioned that you were going to come on the show, and he, like, completely, like, his eyes went wide, and he's like, oh, I love her. I just did a It was like a Christmas tree yeah, turning on. So, <laughs> uh, it, it's a genuine compliment. We, it was plain on his face, for sure. We need to get Dan back on the show. <laughs> Can we re-record for <laughs> I officially hate technology. <laughs> I think it's technology we have, hates you. We've done this show for almost six years, and we've only lost two shows. One to Writer's Cube, mm-hmm. and now to Dan Wells. Oh, yeah. So painful. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And and both of them, everything worked, and everything sounded, and everything looked like it was recording a normal show. And then, bloop. And then we go back to listen to the show, and it's gone. So yeah, we we've yeah. talked a bit about where we can find your writing at. Um, where can we find you at? Not only in like the social media world, but will you be at any conventions? Will you be at you know stuff like Light the Universe and everything? Um, where can where can your adoring fans find you? Which is not <laughs> talking. Isn't that Facebook? Well, if I have adoring fans out there, I'm, I would love to meet you. So. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be, I've actually got two signings coming up, one of the Orem Barnes & Noble on uh, Friday, November 21st from 6 to 9, and then there's one at the Sandy Barnes & Noble, and that one is December 13th from 1 to 3, and next year I'm going to be at uh, Life, the Universe, and Everything in so February, and yay, yeah, and we'll then see. I'll also be at the uh, Teen Authors Boot Camp, uh, Writing for Charity, and LDS Storymakers Writing Conference. Okay. Awesome. We'll be at Teen Authors Boot Camp as well. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. amazing. I've, I've actually really been tempted to reach out to see like if I can help. I'm glad I, that we're going to be there. I know, so Joe. We can she, we're actually probably going to uh, do a panel, I guess, or whatever Did they're you? calling it, teaching them how uh-huh. to do interview on air because we've had several Man, interviews that haven't gone that very well. Yeah. They want us? I know. Really? Yeah. We suck at interviews. <laughs> and, and not only that, my daughter's going to be there. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah. I, I, oh, I saw cool. Joe do a, I think it was FantasyCon that Joe did a, a, a Black panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was really cool. Obviously, that fits my background with education and that sort of thing. And I just, so I'm glad that we'll be there so that we can, so that we can oh, yeah. join forces and power That's up. That's awesome. You know, and I'm you glad know, you're going to be well. there. That's the most exciting yeah. part about it. So I'm, and Brandon will be yeah, there. So yeah, so we bring this up then. Um, I'm, curious, I'm curious, Shuli, is, uh, what was it like then the first time you were presenting? Um, I mean, I presume that you've spoken on panels before. You've spoken to, like, students before. What was that like getting up there and telling about the first time you were published and, you know, and how excited? Was it really exciting for you? It, it was really exciting and it was really weird. Um, <laughs> it was uh, LTUE the past year um, that I did my first panel, and uh, it's kind of funny because like once you get behind that table, you are automatically assigned the you know you are the expert. And you know my book wasn't even out yet. I just barely signed my contract like two or three months prior, and so I was still not feeling very legit. And oh, yeah. So after the fact, people, you know, I'm like standing in in uh, Brandon Sanderson's signing line later that day, and someone's like, "It's so cool to see like other authors that like still like other authors, because then it makes me feel like you're not that far above me." And I'm like, 
I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I, I just, I didn't feel like, you know, I could legitimately claim that expertship of sitting behind that table. So it made me feel a little awkward, (laughs) but it was also really, really fun Um, just to get up there. Because I love talking about writing. I love teaching about writing. Um, So it was a really exciting experience to be able to have a chance to do that. You know, I have to say, as many times as we've been up at that table, I still think it feels the same way every time. Like, are we really, you know, experts at this subject? I mean, yeah. we, uh, well, I don't know, was it Fantasy Con or Comic Con or FanX or whatever? We had to do an entire panel on Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, and we had just beta tested it a little bit. And they're like, oh, you've done it? All right, you guys are the experts. And we're like, uh, we have to do an hour panel on this? And the worst part is, you know, because we beta tested it, we signed uh, what a, NDA. NDAs. So we couldn't really talk about it. So we spent oh, no. an hour yeah. sidestepping questions because yeah. we couldn't answer them. This might be cool, but we couldn't tell you if it was. You know, and then there's other times where we sat down and, you know, can you tell you know how to design the perfect character? Well, you know, give them lots yeah. of personality and character yeah. flaws. Yeah, I mean, you got to go. <laughs> and then at the very end, people are like, "Man, you were so amazing and informative, and I had to see it from a different perspective." Thank you so much. You're like, okay, okay. I don't know what I said, but okay. Yeah. You know, like when I was. I always fan- want to ask them. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Yep. <laughs> uh, just to say, I always want to ask, you know, what precisely did I say that made you want to come up and talk to me? Because then I can make note of it so that I can make sure I say yeah. it again in the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah when, when I went to FantasyCon, you know, I, I went mostly because uh, I wasn't cool enough to be on the show yet. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I went mostly at like for the writing and go to all the panels that I could and just yeah. absorb that. And at one point, I'm just kind of listening to these panelists and I go, oh, there's kind of this obvious pecking order of level of success in being an author that you can kind of see. And uh, obviously, like, Brandon's, Brandon's at the very top of that, um, you know, and, and then it just kind of, there's kind of the thing, but I... I looked around and I said, well, the only difference between me and some of these people is they put, they got words on the page yeah. and made it, you know, made it sensible and engaging where I don't get words on the page. And when I do, it's not sensible or engaging, you know, like <laughs> I just need to hold the craft, right? But it's, it's interesting yeah. though, when, when I then joined the panels that we were on, how quickly the audience just buys into you as the subject matter expert. And it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, I almost felt guilty a little bit. I don't know if you had that. I mean, obviously you had success, but I totally felt guilty my first time. Yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> so then, um, I guess we brought up the subject of uh, of what we do. I guess in our spare time, what sort of things do you do when you're when you're not? I guess when you're not writing and you're you're not playing World of Warcraft. I mean. <laughs> There's nothing else, Jill. There's nothing else. She's a mom. All right, she's a mom. But, yeah, Yeah. I'm a mom, so spare time sort of doesn't exist. Um, And when it does, it gets used for writing and wow. But um, I do actually, I love music. I I play the piano and the guitar. And um, 
I, you know, I live here in Utah where the mountains are amazing, and my whole family, we love, like, hiking and hiking down the canyon, so we go up to the canyons a lot just to go explore. So that's one of my favorite things to do. Actually, I just had a quick question pop up. You said that you're really into music. You like the piano. You like the, the guitar. Does that help you in your writing? Do you find that you can translate, like maybe carrying a cadence or, or keeping a rhythm within the story? Does that translate? Um, I'm asking because I have absolutely no musical ability whatsoever. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think, like, musicality and, like, being able to understand rhythms and things like that, that was really helpful for me. Um, like, I was an English major, and it was helpful for me when I was reading poetry to be able to feel the rhythm in kind of a musical sense. And I think a lot of times when I'm really trying to focus on, like, a specific sentence structure or something like that, it sort of becomes unconscious almost of trying to figure out a rhythm for, you know, the best flow of it. And, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's just sort of an unconscious thing because I've been, you know, doing music since I was, like, seven. So... (laughs) Wow, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I guess before we before we, let, we have to let you go, um, Shuli, can you maybe pass on one, I guess, one helpful hint for aspiring writers out there? Yeah, just one thing to say. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would say is um, to have confidence in yourself. I think. Yeah, especially with the internet, we're all constantly telling each other how, like, frustrated we are and how, you know, we know we're not good at this and we're just going to keep trying and, you know, oh, we failed at such and such thing again. And, and you know, we go to critique groups and everyone tells us, this is what's wrong, you need to go fix it. And there's so much of that that I think the biggest thing that I try to remember is to just, like, believe in the stories you're telling, that, you know, being able to tell a story at all is an incredible thing. And just attempting to put down your view of the world in the form of a story is an absolutely amazing thing. And so have confidence in yourself that you're doing that and that even if you're not getting it right all of the time, you're getting it right some of the time, and that's enough. Take that to hard writers. Take it to hard I'm tattooing it on my forearm right now. So wow. That was a lot of work. So it's going to take a while. It's so take a while? Nice. No, that was great. So everyone, go out and get your copy. Yes. Yes. Of the Unhappenings of Genesis Lee. If you don't want to go to a bookstore, go on to Amazon. Go on to barnesandnoble.com. Order it now. You can get your e-book copy. Don't wait for your audio book copy. Get your hard book copy. And then go get your audio book. Copy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Buy both. Buy all three. <laughs> well, no, that it's almost Christmas time. So buy enough for your entire yeah. family. There's nothing better exactly. than exactly. Than yes. being able to revisit it in yeah. the audio. Oh, that's my favorite thing to do. Like I yeah. just read this. Now I want to have someone read it too. Yeah. Oh, uh, and really that. Audiobooks are a lot better than they used to be. Yep. You know, the people they have yeah. doing it, you know, they kind of manipulate their voices a little bit. So you have each character has their own unique Talking character. into a tin can. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really well, great. So you know, pick up your copy. It's around Christmas time. That way, hey, you have something to talk about. Bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Salima MacArthur, find her on Facebook. Find her on Twitter. 
Um, don't go to her neighborhood. That's weird. Um, pick up the books anywhere, but go to one of her book signings at one of the local Barnes and Nobles. Definitely. I think we're gonna have to. Yeah. Twenty-first. Uh, November twenty-first in Forum, correct? Yeah, yeah. The the schedule's up on my website, so you can go to shaleemacarthur.com and click on the events tab, and it'll have all my events on there. Then oh, yeah. just don't the listen website. to me. Yeah. Go to the website. Yeah, perfect. Go to the website. Yes. <laughs> and you can probably buy the book from the website too. No. Maybe? Yes. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. There's, there's links. There's links on the website too, everywhere you can buy it. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show this evening, and for putting yeah. up with thank the crazy technology mm-hmm. being weird again. And Drew. And, and yeah. But hey. <laughs> It's a, it's a bonus because you didn't have to deal with Lagoon. So, hey. Yep, there, there you go. go. <laughs> there you go. We're really excited to meet you at LTUE and, and uh, Writers Boot Camp, or Teen Author Boot Camp. And that well, I've already met her. Yeah, we'll be. Uh, yeah. Am I the only true, one that I have? No, no, just I me. Okay. So, yeah. I went to uh, one of Danwell's book signings at the Orem Barnes & Noble, and Shirley was yeah. there. And then we went to dinner afterwards, and we got to talking, and I found out her book was coming out. We've been in. You communication and, since then. You and your connection. I know, to make sure that you got on the show. <laughs> hey, what can I say? Hey, man, I'm yeah. riding your coattails. Yep. I've got the power. Yep. The key, man. <laughs> so, you know, thanks again yeah, for thank coming you on so the show. Thank you so much, for being on with us. We look um, forward to seeing you at yeah. LCUE. And let me you know, let us right. know if you have anything rolling out, and we'll bring you back on. All right. Well, thank you, guys. It was great to be here. I look forward okay. to meeting you all. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. All right. Folks, there we go. Author, Shirley. mother, and part-time paladin, Shelly <laughs> MacArthur. Unless she plays Horde. And then she's something else. Then she's something then else. She's part-time work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Undead or who knows yeah. what. But, no, uh, great book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Wells... He told me you have to read this book when it comes out. So mm-hmm. um, he was adamant yeah. about that. On, oh, he was. On, our, on the lost, the <laughs> lost, lost episode. Hey, the lost yeah. episode. We now call it the lost. We can actually say we have a lost episode. So here's the deal. <laughs> it's because we talk about so much recording in the present for you in the future. I know that it screwed it, up. It totally it created a conflict it did. in a black hole. <laughs> it did. And it just it sucked everything to the aether. That's, that has to be what it is. Yeah, we did Whoa. that to ourselves. Yeah. Wow. We called forth our own time paradox. <laughs> Sweet. And my grandpa died too. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a small break. We're going to play a couple. Uh, we're going to play a song. And then uh, we're going to come back with a little bit of geek news. And then we're going to hit some gamer forges because we got, we got two from last week. And then it looks like we got three from this week. Fine, as fine. well as uh, the Dallas Gaming Group is written back. Yes. So the DM is voicing. Oh yeah! So, See now they're going to hear get, about this. They're going to get called out on their lies, dude. Oh, so, yeah. we'll see what happens. And again, uh, big huge thank you for Shalee and MacArthur for coming on the show tonight. And uh, definitely go pick up your copy. You know, pick up do one it. for your family, but at least pick one up for you. So buy, uh, buy one and send it into Dungeon Crawler's Radio too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Why not? With that said. Um, I'll talk with George. Let's go. We'll be back. There's a tall man standing in the show. I must take my head. I want to. So, guess what? I just spent the last hour and a half. Yep. Yep. 
go, I walk in, I'm setting up my table. I, I walk in, I start setting up my table. They put it right. So we're talking. Well, it was a. Like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll keep it in mind if I hear anything. So, I'll talk a little bit later. He goes, well, we were talking about, like, uh, automatic replies. And, uh, nobody's a fan of your face. Well, we had to put Daniel's in. Everything's getting forwarded to me. And he kind of was really <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah. And he quit. And then he was like, I don't know. He had a It's so interesting because I I feel that if I met him without my anything, I would totally buy into what he was saying. And now I'm like, so much of I have nothing against you. You know, it's like, okay, I was treated fairly a big deal. I've moved on. I'm not I just, I'm like, I, and then I went to message him, like, me, I'm like, what? And I, I was told him, Tracy, you unfriended me? You gotta be kidding. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Did we get a, so did you show up in your inbox? I haven't looked yet. Well, look right now. Because I want to make sure that it got that out. Because I haven't heard anything from him either. Training, I have no access. And it won't let me access my phone. I can see that he's written back at all. Michael Martin. Yeah, I got it. You did get it? Yeah. I mean, it would be from me. I'll play one more song. So I actually had a company to come. When you were just a young girl still in school, how come you never So tell me how life in the big city 
Welcome back to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Yes, I can hear you. Did you just say constant pounding? Mm, no. Okay. Liar. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back Weird. once again to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Uh, <laughs> if you are just tuning in now, you missed a great interview with Shalee MacArthur. That means you have to go back and re-listen to this after it's archived. Yep. With that said, hey, I don't know what else more to say. I had a really awesome thing for Geek News, and I was going to text it to myself yeah. so that I would remember, okay. and then I forgot to text it to myself, and thus leave for... Well, I'm going to talk about this because I know this is just going to... Joe is just going to get excited. So, Christopher Waltz has officially joined, signed on for the 24th James Bond film. Really? He will be the villain. Christoph Waltz? Yeah. For real? Uh, Ow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I switched off. Okay. Well, we, we turned him off. Okay. Um, but yeah, he signed on as the villain in the next Bond movie. Really? Uh, it was uh, rumored that it would be uh, Dave, the whatever his name is. Dave something? Bautista. Dave Batista? Yeah, Batista. Sorry. Okay. Um, but no, that's not it. Okay. Um, so he's going to take the, the lead of the lead zone. Daniel Craig's returning as James Bond. Uh, Leah Sidori is coming as the yet-to-be-named female Bond girl. Yay. And, of course, Ralph Fiennes is returning as M. Uh, Naomi Harris as Money Funny Egg. Ben Wiska uh, as Q. And then uh, Rory Kinnear as Tanner. Wow. So, uh, now... that really young Q. Yeah. 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 And filming... Will start this December. Was supposed to start in October, but there's a little bit of delay. It will hit theaters November 6, 2015. Yeah. So we will have another Bond movie soon. Ah, it's too long. Before Craig kicks the bucket. He's a battle. No, no, Craig. Oh, Craig. He's, Daniel Craig's got the years. He's actually one of the, He's my favorite. Like, I love Sean Connery because I love Sean Connery. Um, 
but he's my favorite boss. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig is much like the current Doctor in Doctor Who. It took me time to love him as a boss. Oh, I, I loved him right away man. because it was so different. Yeah. yeah. See, it wasn't for me because I loved, you know, I, I Sean Connery, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Pierce Brosnan, Roger Moore. I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of Roger Moore, but I like that kind of suave, sophisticated James Bond. You didn't really see the fisticuffs. But, you know. Suck it, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> no one likes Timothy Dalton. Yeah, Timothy Dalton kind of had the crappy run. What clinched it is after, you know, I watched. You know, Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, and I was like, I, just, I don't like this Bond. But what clinches is I went back and watched uh, Her Majesty's. On Her Majesty's Theater yeah. with uh, uh, George Lazenby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're almost identical. Mm-hmm. That that Bond was identical to Daniel Craig's Bond. And I'm like, okay, so they've done this before. And then I watched that, and I'm like, and then I went back and watched the other ones, and I'm like, yeah. I dig this. I totally dig this bond. You know, it, it, it took that. It's George Lazenby yeah. to get you to like Daniel Craig. It's huh? the, only, the only thing that anyone can ever say that George Lazenby ever did for James Bond. Sure. <laughs> it's maybe like the new Bond. And then, and then Skyfall came out, and oh my God, he is uh, an amazing James Bond after that. They, you know, it, they were telling the whole story of him becoming Bond, Yeah. but they didn't really let you know that, and I think that's kind of where... I had that disconnect, and then when I saw that, it, it came in, in the clarity. Yeah. So. All right, so also with that said, um, episode 10 of this season's Arrow. I know uh, in the last episode, Dan Wells was mentioning how he's like, oh, when is you know Laurel going to become Black Canary? Well, she suits up in the Black Canary outfit, and they have a, a picture of it. So uh, here she is. As Black Canary. That was pretty good. Yeah. All right. So episode ten, folks. You'll see you Black finally Canary get to see Laurel as Black Canary, not her sister, uh, in a pretend Black Canary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as not Black Canary. As yeah, not Black Canary. And then uh, it looks like the upcoming X Men Apocalypse movie. Uh, yeah. The Mystique Magneto relationship is going to start blossoming, mm-hmm. which awesome. It's gonna be magnetic. <laughs> mm. oh, oh. It's gonna be, it's gonna be magnetizing. Uh, mm-hmm. Wear something heavy. <laughs> we can make this announcement that Drew at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. <laughs> but see, that's not that's not that's not complaining. That's not insulting. No, um, see, no, that's just someone will get super pissed that I made that pun. That's okay. Yeah. All complaints still go to Flagoon oh, okay. at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Give, give all that crap to Flagoon. Yeah. You can send me your adoring praises, people. Yes, some praises to Drew and Joe. I'll, se- I'll send you selfies of my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. So, since you mentioned selfie, yeah. uh, the, the, the the hit TV series Selfie that had J- John Cho and uh, Karen Gillan been canceled. Already, uh, it is done. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, they're not even finishing the season. They're not. They? They're not. They're gonna they're gonna play the final episodes in the can, and it's. Done. Oh my God. Um, I I I can say I went and watched a couple episodes. I got three episodes in. It is definitely crap. Well. Yeah. What do you get for a show that's so, named after a effectively? Well, a, it had a good premise. Um, what is what is uh, My Fair Lady? It was based off of My Fair Lady, mm-hmm. but modernized. Yeah. 
I knew it was a trash heap from the beginning when the very beginning of the show, Karen Gillan's character goes to sit down with this guy that she's totally infatuated with and then sees, you know, the uh, the tan line where the ring's you know yeah. supposed to be, realizes he is um, married, vomits into two bags, and then is walking back to coach with these two bags full of vomit, and they break all over it. And it's like, okay. Um, yeah, okay. that's the... <laughs> this show's going nowhere. So, all right, go ahead. What, what do you got? Uh, let's see. Has anyone wow. been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Unity? Nope. No. Unity! <laughs> you see, because it, uh, neither have a lot of people, because apparently the game is so broken on the right after launch that they had to release a patch for it, and that still didn't fix everything. In fact, uh, Ubisoft has been receiving yeah. so much criticism, their stock shares dropped a whopping 12 uh, let's see, 12.8%. Can I say something? Just, Have they released anything decently? <laughs> well, it's, it's, they're not... Well, they're bringing... You know, the big criticism, um, as reported by BBC, is that they're, they're releasing all of their games before they're finished, effectively. Yeah. They've had a long, long, long history um, of, of Ubisoft has been releasing their games with a whole slew of glitches and problems and crashes yeah. on the back end. It looks pretty when you first start it up. You know, but, you're, but as you get into the game, it starts yeah, up and out. Um, uh, for, in, for instance, let's see here. That's got actually, let's see here. They actually, the, the only statement they made is, is I'll, I'll, I'll just read the statement they made. They made here. Uh, we are currently working on our next update that will help address some of the specific issues some players are having, including the protagonist, Arno, falling through the ground, games, uh, games crashing when joining a co-op session. Really? Huh, that sounds like a big problem. Arno getting caught inside a hay cart, delay in reaching the main menu screen as the game starts. Yeah. The whole, yeah. I have, one, I, have, I have one thing to say. Don't release a game where your main character is falling into the ground. Yeah, then you get a problem. Well, that yeah, that's that's a huge lack of of, of coding. They're not finishing oh, yeah. their product. You know, you can't real you can't really do that. It's like yes, the internet allows you, you know, having your your consoles and your computers and stuff hooked up the internet. You can release patches hey, and fix stuff like that, but it doesn't make your your product finished after yeah. the fact. You know, it should be done when you release it. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at death this one. Um, however, they are not. They haven't explicitly. Did not explicitly address the point in which. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. Oh, this is the big thing here. Is that they made um, game reviews were not allowed to hit internet or, or errors of any kind or, or print 17 hours after the game was leaked. Oh. They embargoed everyone huh. who had review copies. Because they didn't want any bad words yeah. out beforehand, so this is obviously going to be drawing a lot of. So they intentionally knew that it was bad. Yeah, so they knew it was bad. They tried to silence it and get a patch in before reviews. Yeah, out. but yeah, because they knew people were going to buy it. Yeah, that's crap. Yeah, that's a load of crap. But so, so now, so now you can see why a 12.8 or yeah, 12.8 percent drop in their shares and there should be more than 12. If it, well, that see that's just. For now, yeah. But this is expected to rise. Yeah. This is going to be a bigger and bigger, bigger oh, yeah. problem. So hopefully, this will get them to actually 
see the error of their ways and stop making plot lines. Do what Disney did. Oh yeah. Yeah. See what Disney did. Yeah. What, what did Disney do? Well, I mean, look at look at you know we kind of we, again we talked about this we on did. the last lost episode. <laughs> yeah. Lost episode. Where Disney <laughs> kind of reformatted and they're putting out some really good stuff. Ubisoft needs to do something very similar. Get rid of the people running. Mm-hmm. Pull someone in that knows what to do, and rebuild your brand and your game. You know, the whole game development. It just sounds like it's flawed. You don't put out a product that isn't working. That's just that's bad. Yeah, no, that's I mean, bad business. I mean, seriously, that's like shipping out televisions that have no screen built into them. <laughs> I mean, it's like, enjoy your TV. We'll give you, get you the screen in three weeks, yeah. you know, three months. Yeah, we'll release a patch for you. Oh, and guess what? You have to self-install. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, that's it's crap. That being said, if uh, Ubisoft wants to send us any games for review, we'll be happy to take them. <laughs> yeah, we'll take them. All right. <laughs> you don't even have to embargo us. We'll, we'll kiss your ass and okay. talk about your game. So, let's move on. Yeah. I, I got a really cool article. I am on. so pissed I can't remember this article. I was... It was the perfect news. Well, if you find it, you can post it on Twitter. I thought I favored it on Twitter. Yeah. So, it's gone. I found this. I, I, I just had to talk about it. 15 toys from the 1990s you may not remember. So let's go through these. Um, let's just face it. Everyone has to. Exo Squad. Anyone remember that? Yes. That yeah. was like my favorite. Yep. Seriously. Based on an animated One series. One of the best cartoons I've ever seen. Yep, Exo Squad Universe. Uh, oh my gosh. I know. I gotta find those now. Boglins. Do you remember those? Where you got them in a box that had the little handlebars and you stuck your hand up in it and you moved the mouth and it had little teeny arms. Here, I'll show you the picture of it. You remember? Oh, yeah, okay. Yep, yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, because, you know, there was those night, those 80s horror films, Critters, Ghoulies, and Gremlins yeah. Out. So that was, they had to do that. Um... And the funny thing is, if you look at this, they also have the the ad, the advertising for VR Troopers. Who remembers that TV show? Oh, man. Yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, the, the supposedly spiritual successors to the Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, incredible Crash Dummies. Yeah, I remember those oh, guys. Yeah. Oh. You hit the button, they, they explode. Yeah, they would explode yeah. everywhere. I was just like, wow, that makes me want to go get in a car wreck. All based on a PSA. Yeah. <laughs> Monster in my pocket. Yeah. Oh, the cards. Yes. Everyone had to have the cards. I, I had some of those. Oh, my gosh. In fact, I was going through some of my boxes and, like, found some. Uh, James Bond Jr. What? James Bond Jr. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. TV series. Oh, that was painful. Yeah, 17-year-old oh. James Bond Jr. I need salt as we're rubbing oh. my eyes. Here's one of my favorites, though. Bucky O'Hare. Oh yeah. Yep. Short-lived animated TV series. <laughs> yep. Uh, Wild West Cow. Boys of Moo Mesa. Oh yeah. Where they're all like. They're all bovines. Yeah, they're all yeah. bovines. <laughs> yeah. Cowboys. And then Pooch Patrol. Yeah. Stuffed animals. Well, they were stuffed animals that you could flip their lip. Yeah. So you could see their teeth, and their their ears would hang up and. <laughs> Betty Spaghetti. I didn't ever see that because I wasn't a girl. But uh, apparently those were were a thing. Pretty big. Yeah. That was my favorite. Uh, <laughs> really? This one. I remember this one. The 2XL. 
the robot you put cassette tapes in and it would read it to you. Oh, yeah, Turtle. It's the, the Teddy Ruxpin without the Teddy. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. And it had a, and a lot of the stories were like pick your own adventure so you could push a button and it would it would stop and then rewind or fast forward to a yep. section and then play again. Yep. Uh, the yo-yo ball? Yep. Yeah, those were... <laughs> you that you didn't have to have a brain to use. Puppy surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then micro machine Z Ah uh, yeah. Micro micro machines in general. I miss micro machines. Those were awesome, especially the guy that talked a million miles an hour. Yeah, in the he commercial. passed away, so yeah. we won't get those again. Yeah, another thing. Uh, speaking of passing away, uh, the lady that did the voice for Howard Halowitz's uh, mom passed away yesterday. Yep. So uh, it was an interesting video. And then, of course, the toy hook from, uh, that was from Steven Spielberg's hook. So, yeah, Rufio. Yep. Rufio. Rufio. Those were the, the 15 uh, toys. You might not remember. Uh, some yeah. of you might. I did. I was yeah. So, uh, to, to something a little more serious here, the... Um, uh, see here, the Comet Explorer Filet uh, made, uh, made its touchdown yesterday, and um, they're already experiencing some problems. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Maybe that's our problem Mainly, with Skype. There you go. They landed the, they landed the thing on the, on the Comet. Yeah, and it's messing up our internet. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. However, we can still get our Sunday ticket for some reason. Woo-hoo! Yeah, that's maybe that's what that was all about. But, um... Anyways, but the fillet is experiencing problems with battery life because uh, the slight miscalculation is leading their the solar chargers to well not solar charge because <laughs> it's not getting any sun. Weird. <laughs> so uh, who would have thought that a comet that is moving at a speed in space may not get solar? Well, it bounced. Uh, well, the the, uh, the explorer actually bounced twice yeah. from its designated landing point, and so now it's in a place. Yeah. Well, uh, again, a moving object trying to land on another moving object, and it, they don't expect it to bounce? I mean, have they not looked at the crash test dummy? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like the worst phrase that could be said by NASA is, we've had a slight miscalculation. Like, <laughs> that's got to be the most horrible thing to hear when you're talking about rocket launches and space discovery. <laughs> Can you just imagine sitting in that board meeting? Uh, yeah, so we uh, made a miscalculation by, um, well, Howard was supposed to put a six, but he accidentally put a seven, which uh, yeah, increased, increased the uh, the speed that he, of reentry onto the comet, trading, well, it bounced. Yeah. Oh, and, Howard's such a dickhead to visit. <laughs> it bounced. Well, the report here says it bounced twice. Um, one moment. One moment. I'm sorry. Howard put an eight. <laughs> so uh, the, the lander traveled a whopping six point field uh, or four billion miles to reach the comet, and it took it ten years to get there. I know. They were planning this thing 25 years Where ago. Where the hell was I? I, I thought I thought we just launched this thing yesterday. No. Yeah, I know. Down on the comet. Yeah, it was ten years ago. Yeah, and and, so, and get this though, but the uh, but the comet uh, comet designated 67P is hurtling through space at 40,000 miles per hour. Exactly. And you don't expect a bounce? Come on. Gee. You know, they got this, 
know, where's mean, the airbags on they that? They got their stuff down to a science, and <laughs> they still like us. You know, it, it is amazing what they can do, and there are some times where you just have to shake your head and go, "Really, guys?" You, so, in all fairness, like even if they had no slight miscalculations and everything went perfectly, well, yeah, they're, they're landing a freaking satellite on, on a four thousand mile an hour object. Yeah, mm-hmm. so forty four thousand. Excuse me, yeah. forty four thousand miles. Forty thousand miles an hour. So, you know, kudos you know, for it landing. Chalk it up to shit happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I ain't. you freaking landed a satellite on a comet you know, that I, you lost yeah, ten I, years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, I never, I, I couldn't do that. I just, you know, again, you, know, you just have to wonder how that meeting went. But, you know, it, it, what they're doing is pretty awesome. And the possibilities that could come of it is pretty cool. Um, we'll go into details because we don't have time. But it, it would be interesting to see what we learned from this comment and that, that item. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, we got 30 minutes to cover five uh, gamer forges, and some of these are going to take some time. Clang, 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 clang. All right, so Sam Simpson writes in. What up, Sam? Okay, first time writing in, but can any one of you help me understand what happened to feats and skills in 5th edition? Okay. Oh. Well, what do you mean? Like, well, what happened to me? Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, guy named Joe. I love you. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I, I, th- I think I think it's more along the why are they getting feats at every three levels or four levels yeah. and um, what happened with skill points and now they're all kind of come together in these more general terms. I that's the way I would. I, I that's what I'm supposing it is. And you know, if you really want a really good clear answer that isn't ours, check out our interview with Mike Merles. Ooh. Look at that. I know. It's because, still kind of ours. Well, well it is us. Yeah. You know, and the reason is I asked him that specific question. You know, explains feats and skills. And he gave us a really good explanation. Basically, feats are now feat packages. Yep. So instead of just getting one feat every so many levels, you're getting a package, a full suite of abilities that you yeah, can use. You now, the skills, um, they are a little bit different. It's not like this full range of skills, these are skills that your character is going to use. Um, and you're not getting ranks that are sunk into it. It's pretty much you're proficient or you're not, and then your modifiers attached to it. That's it. Yeah. It's you not know. meant to be a huge number. Yeah, it's not. You know, you get feet, there's magical spells that can modify that stuff. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's the only way your skills are getting better is if your attributes are getting better. And that is how they're tallying how more proficient or how better you are are at that. And your proficiency level does go up. Yes, it does. Your proficiency level rises at, at a at a set rate, regardless of what class you are. It's meant to designate sort of like, no matter what happens, you are at least this good yeah. at something. like you know, Because a level 20 person, regardless of class, is going to be at least X good at jumping. Oh, yeah. You know, and then, but somebody with a high strength is going to be, be better. Nat- yeah, naturally better at it. And so we've got to look at it as a... a uh, uh, something like that. Now there are certain things such as like uh, the thief and the bard gain expertise, which doubles the proficiency because they are very, very good yeah. at what they do. Yeah. I um. Yeah, so I, I think the the question is is more what happened as in um, what's the rationale for for 
for streamlining this, and it really goes back to that theater of the mind, right? That um, the whole goal of fifth edition is that they don't want mechanics getting in the way of the story and the theater of the mind while you're playing. And so um, by kind of stripping some of that back and saying you don't have to, every time you level up, you don't have to refer to the rule book and add something on. Um, but when you get something, it's going to be this very big um, bonus. You're going to get two or three of things that we used to think of as feats. Um, I think it, may, it makes it a little more theatrical, but it also, uh, instead of going, well, we've got 47 skills, I know that I've got a point in one of them somewhere. How can I use that to my advantage? It's much more, um, eh, these are looser terms, so I can probably make one of these skills fit my scenario if I can come up with a creative way to explain it. Mm -hmm. Well, and as Mike explained to me, when you level up, you get an ability mod. Uh -huh. As you're leveling up. Yeah. Or you cannot take that ability modifier and take a feat package. Yeah. Which is just as good. But the, the main thing that they were trying to do is maintain a sense of balance in the game. So there wasn't a lot of overbalancing, which happened in 4th edition. Yeah. Let's face it, it did. And they, and they recognized that. But they also looked at previous editions yeah. and brought a balance of all the editions for... You know, a game that we love. I mean, everyone out there has either played it and either loves or hates, let's face it. Mm -hmm. But they tried to make a game that everyone can enjoy and that wasn't just overboard, where you could easily, you know, pick out a section of rules, throw that out, and put this in. You know, if you, if you like skills heavy, you know, make it skills heavy. You can do that as a DM or in your game. You know, if you like the feats, throw it in. If you don't, get rid of them. You know, yeah. that's the yeah, best thing. Ignore it. Yeah, you know, it, again, it, you know, they want you to have a fun, enjoyable session where that's, where that's rules-intensive, theater of the mind, you know, where there's a lot of role-playing yep. and you're having fun. You know, it's your game. This is just, you know, the rule books are the pirate code. Yeah. It's a set of guidelines. That's simply as it is. Well, so D&D &D just... Just give, gave its most recent sneak peek at the, at the Dungeon Master's Guide, and, it, and so it started to show some enhancements and enchantments that you can have for magic items and that yeah. sort of thing. And the goal, uh, I read an article that was stating that the goal for Wizards was to get away from all these numerical bonuses and, yeah. and modifiers that stack on things yeah. and, and drive more of that stuff to other mechanics like advantage, disadvantage, yeah. where... You know, so instead of having a skill that you have 18 ranks in, you know, you're going to freaking pass no matter what you do unless you roll a one. Um, it's now, um, there's still a bit more chance, but you can put yourself in a position um, to have that advantage by by making sure that you're you're being smart about how you play instead of just relying on the number to carry your success through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you turn it into a math, a math game, which is I mean, let's face it, let's, let's just be real here, that a math game does not favor certain players. No. Well, and not only that, I think with the changes that are coming up is it gets rid of metagaming. It, it, not completely, but in a way... Because, yeah, you're never going to get rid of it. Yeah, because you're not going to be, oh, you know, hey, if I roll this, you know, I'm going in with this magic item, I'm at least going to hit with six, you know? Yeah. If you have a magic item now that gives you, always gives you advantage, but it's not giving you a plus six, yeah. you know, 
you gotta, you know, that's changing some mechanics up, or maybe with the cursed items, you're always at a disadvantage. You know, and so it's really gonna be tough. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm excited to see what they're gonna do, but they're really trying to bring that balance in. So, you know, and that's one thing, I, I know I've talked to several people, and they're just, they're just mad as hornets about how vicious some of the monsters are, but it's like, you know, but it's like, let's face it, these monsters are that way. You've gotten so relaxed that you can play a character even at third level and go through and wipe out a Lord of Orcs when, in reality, you should be wet in your pants when you see at least six yeah. Orcs. Yeah, or at the very least, having that sense of uh, sense of doubt. Yeah. When you when you face. Yeah. If kobolds were really that easy to kill, there would be no kobolds, yeah. right? If, yeah. Honestly, so I really love that balance and that kind of you know importance or sense of dread that the game is now instilling. It's not like. I'm going to pull out my mighty plus five sword and destroy everything in my path. No, yeah. it's, it's like, uh, you know, okay, I might be able to get through this. I mean, <laughs> just read Bob's book, you know, with Drick. He's got two magical swords, and yet he's still really struggling to get through some of these fights. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I really enjoy, you know, in any of those, those forgotten novels. These characters do have ma- powerful magical items, but they are still struggling against orcs and goblins. Yeah, really basic creatures, and yeah. that's how it should be in the game. Yeah. So, Sam, it's not your fault at all, but if a cursed magic item shows up in our campaign where it's I always have fault. disadvantage, <laughs> I would be so pissed at you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to move on. Ryan Kingsley right there. Hello, y'all. What up, Ryan? We are role-playing in a 5th edition D&D game. Okay. Typically, I agree with with uh, the DM's decision. However, a question came up on a decision that I just don't agree with, and I'm wondering if maybe I'm just missing something. Give me your, your thoughts on it. Our party includes a drow warlock that is disguising herself as a half-elf. No one, our party, no one in our party has been able to see through this disguise, and we uh, all still think she is a half-elf. We are all still level one, so I'm assuming no magic items are involved. I don't believe that she is capable of casting power full enough spells to pull us to pull all of us. I say this knowing someone will find a way uh, to comment on this. We have just finished a week-long force march, traveling 14 to 16 hours a day. Is there any way that a drow could disguise herself as a half half elf convincingly, and would any such methods hold up to a week long force march so that none of the party members would notice anything odd? I don't believe that she is wearing a permanent mask because that would raise suspicion. My goal is not to discuss rules. Um, I'm mostly just wanting a plausible story answered. Oh, that's that's. That's kind of like slight miscalculation. A multiple yeah. story oh, answer. Like, yeah. Um, it's an awesome question. Um, I would say probably mechanically. No, there's probably not a way to do that. Makeup would wear off. Yeah. Um, even something like if, if if your DM was liberal enough to say press the digitation um, could change your skin color, um, that still has a wear off effect, and yeah. then you've got to remember the spell or recast the spell off the slot. Um, that would be tough. Well, I mean, let's, okay. Well, press the digitation is a cantrip. It costs nothing. Yeah. It costs nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm stupid. No, no, it's a drow, okay, very dark I, skin. I, yeah, I, mean, I can Very I can black, ebony skin. I can see you. Well, press the digitation would be uh, a stretch. 
It, well, Princess is that Jason couldn't last that long, though. She, right. She's constantly having to be recasting it, and then yeah. you'd be noticing that it's like, oh, hey, I need to go to the bathroom, and then disappearing and coming back. I need to make water. Now, <laughs> now who knows? It, I, and I, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe the DM has already talked with this player, yeah. and yeah. maybe this player has a ring, has, yeah, a has magical a, or, ring. Or some sort of a glamour. Yeah. Um, a, a simple a simple glamour would. would that find. is, you know, a, a spider. Has a magical hat that makes him look any way he wants. Again, going back to Ari Salvatore's book, you know, as long as he can picture it in his head, he can appear that way. So maybe this elf has such an item. Now, again, this would have to have been worked out with the DM. I'm really interested to know the reason behind this. Yeah. It is, yeah. So the. The cynical side of me is saying this person wants to play a drow to say, I've got a drow and I've got these really cool stats, mm-hmm. but they don't want the racial tension between the rest of the group. Yeah. And that's that's crap. I mean, that that's something the DM has to, I mean, that has to be a conflict that comes to a head at some point. Yeah. The other part could be, it, it could just be this really awesome backstory. They could blow into and, the current story that they're doing. And sure. the DM has worked that out with the player. I, as a DM and I, as a player have always developed a side arc that only myself and the DM or myself and a player knew about. Um, but it was never it was never something that once the other players knew about that we dragged out. It was like this has got it we this has got to resolve itself yeah. Yeah. now because it, it it can and it sounds like for Ryan's group that at least distracting him and that's pulling away from the game itself. Yeah. Sure. You know, I again have a conversation with your DM. Yeah. I, that's something we always counsel. Talk to your DM. Be upfront. Let them know your, what yeah. you're feeling. Yeah. And if your DM says, "Hey, part of the story," yeah, let it go. Yeah. yeah just, just you, you know, just have to suspend the disbelief. Yeah. Don't, don't look for a plausible storyline because yeah. that's kind of why we all role play is to get get away from reality yeah. and plausible. Yeah, you know, it's it's his job. You know, now if down the road, you know, it's it. The reason kind of seems kind of hokey, you know. You got to go with it. Yeah. You know, as much yeah. as it as it is, you just got to roll the punches and enjoy yeah. your game. The, the, the reason may reveal itself. Yeah. You know, there or, or the DM might actually reveal what's actually going on and and give you that explanation. So, I mean, a little patience would be probably advisable. And, and that's really the hard part about creating characters alongside your players and your group and kind of talking about that because yeah. everybody knows what you have on paper. And if that's different than what you're playing, it, uh, it, it's kind of hard at some point to suspend that belief to, 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 to buy in and say, well, I know they got to draw. Why are they playing a half elf? That's really weird. Um, I'm, I usually kind of create my characters secrets so that I always have something up my yeah. sleeve. Sure. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um or should we move on? Gosh, I mean I would well, I yeah, I'm I guess I would I would resolve I would say you know, does it really matter? I don't think it does. Does, does you know, knowing right now really matter? I would just say you know, if it really bugs you talk to your DM. Yeah. But yeah. mainly Otherwise, let the story play out. Yeah. It may surprise you. Yeah, who knows? Maybe this they... is a call out to the DM. It better be really freaking good. Yeah. All right, here we go. So Harold Jacobson writes in. H.J. Does a character... <laughs> Harold. Harold. <laughs> Does a character have to have thieves tools 
in order to pick a lock. Not necessarily proficient in the tool, but at least have the tool itself. I'm confused about picking locks and whether or not it A, requires thief tools to even attempt to open a lock. The description of the lock and the, uh, the manacles in the equipment section suggests they are. And B, if you need proficiency in uh, thieves' tools to even use them. Um, you do not need proficiency to use them. You just do not gain your proficiency bonus in using them. Uh-huh. But they do actually allow you to do it. And so you do need these tools to carry out the well action. You know, I, as a DM, I've allowed people to use a slender dagger. Granted, I give them negatives on that because yeah. it, well, the, this, the yeah, dagger isn't designed say, for that. Yeah, now you can just say that you, have, you can do it, but you have it's disadvantage. disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. in this if for fifth edition, but you do need the tools because they are designed yeah. for that. Yeah, a lock pick is made to pick locks, yeah. not your finger. Well, you know, and I do like the fact with fifth edition having that disadvantage because now instead of saying oh you got a minus two, I just yeah. say you got disadvantage yep. now. Which makes it so much more simpler because they're not like, well, okay, blah, 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 yeah. minus Less five. Blah, blah. You know, it's just simply, I rolled three. You well, know, the, the first roll was a 19, but I rolled a three. I'm like, well, you didn't make it. Uh, so it I, makes it really simple. I'm going to disagree just a little bit. Okay, sure. go ahead. I know that the rules state that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm totally fine because that's mm-hmm. what the rules state. Um, However, being a guy who's worked on cars for over 10 years, being a guy who caused a lot of trouble as a teenager, um, there are a lot of things that are not designated as lockpicks or thieves tools that I could use to get into your car or your house very quickly. Um, You know, you take a metal coat hanger, I can break into just about any car out there with a metal coat hanger. Um, Not saying that I do, people. I'm just saying that... There were times like working on cars where I locked keys in yeah. cars and had to get them open. Um, doesn't mean that I did it as well as if I would have had the Correct. appropriate tool. Well, that's yeah. where I think the disadvantage comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So it is possible to improvise. It, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but, and I agree with that. But if, if the rule is stating that you can't you can't do you can't initiate the rule because you don't have tools, that's where I call crap. No, I, the rules don't ever say that. What, okay. You know what I I. Again, this is me. I would instill a penalty. Well, now I would instill disadvantage. There's still a possibility you could do it, yep. but it's not as good as if you had the thieves tool where you know you don't have that disadvantage or that penalty applied. So I, I think so, okay, I so think that's where we're yeah, we're all in Improvisation yeah. is absolutely. If you lock yourself out of your horse-drawn carriage, <laughs> you have disadvantage unless you just throw a boulder at it. Yeah. No, I, I just think. <laughs> Yes, it's possible that you can try to pick a lock okay. with an object other than these tools. But if you're playing 5th edition, you're going to have a disadvantage. But if you're playing in any of the other editions, you may have a penalty to your roll. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the final one, and I've left it for the last one because this one might take a while. Dallas Gaming Group has, Dallas Gaming. has responded. We, uh, so thank you for, for writing in. You know, We asked. They, they uh, obliged us. Hey guys, I wanted to voice in on your uh, on your email from one of my players last week. I am the DM for this group, and as you well uh, as you've known, we've had several times we've used your help to settle disputes from time to time. Let me clear the air with why I have done what I have done to the cleric in our group. I love it already. The cleric was originally of a lawful good alignment and has moved to chaotic good because of a choice he made. 
his God has a strict commandment of thou shalt not kill another of the goodly races unless the opponent has threatened you or one you love or care about, which would qualify for the group. Sure. So what happened was this group was in a room and the player acted rashly, thinking an orc was behind a tapestry in this desecrated church they were going through. And without moving the curtain, he struck with his sword, thus killing an innocent woman that was tied up and hidden behind the curtain. So he broke a tenant, and he is having to repent for his mistake. And his God has given him some casting ability, but at a price for failure to teach him a lesson for his mistake. Does this clear it up? That definitely shines some light. <laughs> yeah, that, that does. That does. That does clarify a lot. It still puts us in a sticky wicket, but it does clarify. Yeah. It does clarify the situation. So, wow. So then, so so ultimately, though, there's still so the players still wondering. Yeah. So last week, if, if having the extra mechanic of spell failure like that is well, he has no he has no spellcasting ability. No, the DM has revoked that right now as penance for. Well, no, I, I looked at the, the previous email. So what has happened is they're fight they're about ready to fight a lich. Yep, I remember that. Um, his spellcasting ability is hokey. He there's a percentile that oh, throws there is if a it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, if yeah. it's seventy five percent or higher rolled the spells succeed. Yeah. Otherwise, it fails. Yeah. Um, which I'm guessing that just is the amount of fervent praying on his behalf. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the player acted rashly. You know, oh, sure, here's yeah. a lawful good person that just decides oh. to strike out. Yeah. Not okay. checking. I don't know. See that? I don't... There's no tenant against... Uh, Willingly killing a tapestry. Well, yeah. I know, but his God has a strict commandment. Yeah. Of, yeah. You can't kill but, an innocent person. But I, I, I'm going to sit in the role of devil's advocate. True. The sure, person okay. was. Yeah, let's, let's hear, yeah. let's no, no, no. You go ahead. Oh no. I okay. I well, I was just, I, w- I wanted to say is that you know there's a, there's a big difference between thou shalt not kill and thou shalt watch every action you do. So yes, the you know, this person did act rashly and is suffering consequences for acting rashly. And so that, that itself is no big deal. That's to be expected. You know, so definitely, you know, definitely think about what it is you're doing before you do it. Mm-hmm. However, you know, there are times when, you know, in character, it's, you know, someone would act rashly and have something like that happen. So it doesn't necessarily mean to, to create a permanent consequence. And so to have the god mm-hmm. reprimand them, reprimand the, the player one, would I think not be appropriate. Well, However, a continuing penalty I think is probably a little overkill. Well, my question is, you know, again, has this happened before? And maybe this is why he's instilled the penalty. Yeah. So maybe, you know, DM, you need to give us a lot of information. You know, he's not fully cutting him off because he's still being able to cast spells. Yeah. But um, before, you know, though, and I, maybe this is because the DMC, well, the god realizes they're in a crappy situation, so he's still kind of yeah. giving and him it, the yeah, ability. And if, he's act, and if he's actively seeking penance yeah. for it, there's no reason to let that sort of thing linger on. Well, so as before, you know, he enacted a mechanic that was conducive mm-hmm. to failure. This is only, I see only a downward spiral. I uh go ahead. Yeah, please. I'm, well, no, I'm no, no. So I actually think that we were we were on the same train of thought there. I thought you were gonna argue 
in favor of. Um, my first question is, how big were women's feet? <laughs> they thought it was an orc behind the tapestry. Like, I mean, weren't there like little sandals with painted toenails or some stiletto pumps or something? Well, who knows? Maybe it could have been a really big tapestry that actually oh, yeah. went down to the floor. You know, we don't know. I mean, like, yeah, it could be bad lighting. Yeah. There, there's several factors. Um, you know, my question, uh, you know, again, simply, it's just bad why didn't the cleric like move the tapestry? <laughs> why would an orc be sitting behind a tapestry, honestly? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because the orc would have jumped out and attacked. In my opinion, it wouldn't have hit, stayed hidden. Again, this is just. No, the, I mean, there's there's so many what ifs here. So, I know. So here's what what I would. Think of if if my if the god the deity that I was worshiping was a lawful good, a Bahamut style god, right? Like the benevolent of benevolent. Um, I would think that um, the logic that is wrong, right? That haha, I'm gonna punish you while you're in this life-threatening situation with, with the biggest <laughs> yes. evil that I oppose, which is undead frickin' lich, I'm going to strip away your powers so that you're less effective to rid the lands of the thing that I hate most. Now we're talking. Okay. Right. I'm not a play devil's advocate. Okay. How do we know the DM doesn't plan that as he's fighting, the god bestows full glory upon this cleric? Well, yeah, I mean, so that would be awesome. Um, you know, and then you have this moment where he's like, oh, my gosh, my God has forgiven me, and, uh, you know, and really give it what for. That could be, yeah. I mean, that could be the storyline. We don't know. Um, no, I, I, I love I, these guys writing in, but there are times it's like, this could be part of the story, and yeah. who knows? Well, these, and these We're guys not are serious, right? Yeah, like, they, they, they They game seriously, so you know that there's a lot in the story oh, yeah. that the DM is obviously not going to share with us or them because that ruins the punchline. <laughs> I, I will say I played this no ranger once who was just totally certifiable. Like, his name was Bertilak Certifiable, because he was insane. The first battle, we encountered some goblins at the shrine that they had painted. So I killed the goblins. I then peed on their bodies, and then I threw them in, in this well that was the shrine. And so I had severe <laughs> so what, god issues for a okay, while. Yeah. Were you and Flagoon talking? <laughs> no. So no. you know how Flagoon got his name, right? So he took his name after his character he played in my uh, DM game, and his character died by getting his head caved in by a dwarven warhammer, you know, that was wielded by a dwarven clerk because he peed in his god's fountain. Yeah, that could have been my guy. Um, but so having been in hot waters before, there's a whole slew of very interesting things you can do. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if, and, and I buy into the fact that maybe the DM has something on the back burner. DM, if you don't, maybe you should put something on the back burner. Um, but I, but I can, I just think that that's that's a very bad situation for a hasty choice that goes against really the nature of that god, right? That um, if it wasn't a lich, if it was a dragon or a minotaur or an Etten or something like that, yeah, man, I would say give it, give it to them both barrels. But at this point, maybe the god just has to say, yeah, he screwed up and we'll deal with that later. But right now, this is the most evil thing that they're going to encounter. Mm-hmm. I, and I, 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 to, yeah, I just thought of something. 
and again, this is just my DM mind wonder. What if it's not the god? Maybe there is some discordant magic playing throughout. Now, now you know, because you know, I, I'm just thinking back again to uh, the clerk quintet with yeah. Catterley and, and Bob. You know, when Catterley went down into the monastery, you know, he was struggling casting magic because there was such this evil and discordant energy around him that he was really struggling. It wasn't until he fully embraced his god that it was like, wow. Yeah. So you know, maybe. This act has put a little bit of discordance in him that's making it so we can't fully connect to his God. Sorry, that's just that, my DM that's brain cool. working. Uh, that's really mean of you to, to, <laughs> to plant that seed in, in the DM. Sorry, Dallas Gaming Group. Uh, you Sorry. got screwed by Revit. Yeah. Um, but it does go back to the fact that the base of this argument is um, it's just an interpretation of action. DM says you killed a yeah. good person, mm-hmm. whereas the player and the cleric killed a perceived threat without the foresight to investigate the threat, which isn't necessarily an evil act. It is yeah. a reactionary act that, in the eyes of the cleric, is a good act because it prevented a danger from attacking the group. I just had another idea. Dude, don't. Sorry. Don't do it, man. You... Not, i, I got to spit it out. So what if it's not the guy? What if it's not this energy? What if it's the cleric himself? Because he he's done this self doubt. Self doubt. Oh, so because he's done this, man. he's done this, and he is so he's so critical on himself. So, and I bring this up because I remember I put Joe's paladin type cleric in a position where he unleashed a lich upon the the realms. Dude, because he, that's not nice. Well, he no, thought not nice. it was. It was. He was. The lich was disguised <laughs> as this man that looked like he had been beaten and he was up on a crucifix. And he was just like, "They've left me here." Blah blah blah. I was really pulling on Joe's character's heartstrings, and Joe's like, "Cut him down. We got to save this guy." And then, the guy, and then you know, they cut him down, and he's like, and he, "You know, he turns into the lich. He's like, finally, I can destroy those who put me, and then vanishes." And of course, we never played the rest Man. of that campaign. But Joe left just like, I mean, literally, we couldn't play the rest of the night because Joe's like, I just don't know what to do now. I'm done. I'm, I want to hear that story. Uh, but maybe, I'm, I'm but gonna, his character was put into that self doubt yeah. mode. Maybe it's really the cleric that's in a state it, of self doubt. It's yeah. now an inner conflict because the character yeah. re- regrets the actions because after yeah. the action it discovered. And so he is not being able yeah. to connect to his uh, So, sorry, Dallas, <laughs> but I totally buy into that. I think that's awesome because now that promotes more character role-playing oh, yeah, that's and true, that's yeah. the goal. And, and Revan me, just... I, I'm willing yeah. to take a here if it's going to improve the storyline of my character arc and the game. So. However, if, if the DM is thinking that, relay that to that character. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe you have. Only maybe just that have. character and yeah. the rest of the group doesn't. Yeah, maybe yeah. you have already spoken to that character, but the rest of the group doesn't know. Because it does sound like the guy that wrote in last week isn't that clear. Yeah. So uh, maybe that is what's going on. If so, I know props to you as a DM for coming up with that storyline. If not, well, I may send you some, some, some stuff. Yep. All right, so let's get going. Uh, next week, we have uh, Craig Naibo on the show. Yep. Talking yep. about his new book, and oh, it, you know, Craig will be here for most of the <laughs> show, and laughter. it will be an amazing show. That's right. Every time we have him on, I don't think, uh, I'm always on the, like, on the, the borderline of wetting my pants. We laugh so much. <laughs> I haven't met him yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, did we do our uh, Audible? Uh, well, we did the one at the very beginning, but yep. if not, 
run out, go pick up. Go to our website. Yeah. Click on audible. Click on the audible link, and then pick up uh, the unhappenings of Genesis League. Yeah. When it comes out, or Shirley MacArthur. Bob, any of Bob's books, any of Dan's books, any of Brandon's books, any of Craig's books. Keep going. Anyways, all right. Uh, we will catch you next week. Uh, the week after that, we will not be in studio because uh, we will be getting things. And Man. So uh, <laughs> we will catch you next week. Until next time, good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. And as always, please get more from your games. And this, and this episode has been Lagoon Free. Lagoon.